0: I give the floor now to Movendi International.
1: Thank you, Madam Chair, and thank you for the guiding questions. Here are two of our answers. Pro-health taxation, such as alcohol excise taxes, should be considered key tools to increase fiscal space and to reduce avoidable healthcare burden and spending.
0: Episode 4 Loose Ends Act 1 Listen first The United Nations Office for Drugs and Crime is one of the many departments of the United Nations, in the same way that the World Health Organization is. UNODC is headquartered in Vienna and was established in 1997. It focuses on preventing illicit drugs, focuses on crime prevention, criminal justice, international terrorism, and political corruption, and operates with a biannual budget of $700 million. Its largest donors are the United States, Canada, the European Union, the UN itself and Finland. UNODC campaigns against drug trafficking and drug use and works with countries to curb the ill effects of illicit drugs in both health policy and the economy. It has also been criticized for failing to support comprehensive harm reduction policies like needle exchange programs and heroin-assisted treatments with methadone or buprenorphine. UNODC runs Listen First, a drug abuse prevention campaign for children and youth. When you visit the website, you find goofy animations for children and parents that look like they were made in the 1990s. The videos have no narration or voices and are underlaid with the regularly dingly advertising music. It's all about rudimentary. There isn't a lot of information on the website. It says, quote, the campaign includes information developed by experts for parents and for policymakers, end of quote. Member states can sign up to the campaign with a regular Google form. The first part of the form says, name of the member state. See, I was always under the impression that these intergovernmental procedures wouldn't run through Google forms, but here we are. The sign-up form says on the bottom, quote, made possible with the generous support of France, end of quote. Okay. UNODC focuses on the abuse of drugs by children and youth. So far, there's nothing ostensibly wrong with that mission. But where it gets interesting is that the Listen First campaign does more than just listening. It also tells member states what to do, namely getting active on alcohol policy, which it also sees as a harmful drug. It hosts webinars, makes materials available to member states, and it also collaborates for their campaigns with outside activist groups. Many of those webinars are invite only, some are for the participation of the public, but not available to rewatch publicly, which is all a bit strange given that all of it is funded with taxpayer money. But more poignant even than the fact that these conversations are held behind closed doors is the name of one organization that I see appearing over and over again Movendi International. You will remember Movendi International from the first episodes of this series, but here's a little reminder. Mavendi is an organization that promotes total abstinence from alcohol. It used to be known as the International Order of Good Templars, a fraternal organization from the 19th century based in Sweden. In Sweden, the order merged with a Christian temperance organization and runs two high schools. It argues towards policymakers to restrict the use of alcohol and it produces very cringe cult music videos on its YouTube page. I might need a drink after listening to this. Also, as a reminder, the operation of Movendi International is funded through its Swedish affiliate, the International Organization of Good Templars and National Templar Orden, which itself raises money through the Million Lottery, a lottery in Sweden. Over the past 15 years, this lottery has contributed $150 million to the good Templars. Mark this on your notebooks. Gambling, good. Alcohol, very bad. Now, Movendi knows that making a Freemason or Christian-type argument for total abstinence hasn't aged well in the last 100 years, so instead they focus on what it calls health promotion. It advocates for greater prevention of harms caused by alcohol, and it does so at official meetings, such as the World Health Assembly at the World Health Organization. Movendi International. I give the floor now to Movendi International. I give the floor to Movendi Inter- International. International. Movendi International, and then I will give you the floor also China.
1: Thank you, Madam Chair, and thank you for the guiding questions. Here are two of our answers. Pro-health taxation, such as alcohol excise taxes, should be considered key tools to increase fiscal space and to reduce avoidable healthcare burden and spending.
0: It's not that all of Movendi's arguments on the ill effects of alcohol are wrong. Alcohol does have negative side effects. But it is problematic for two reasons. One. Movendi uses the outliers of alcohol use, those people who have a problem with it, and asks for regulation that applies to all alcohol consumers. And two, it veils the fact that as an organization, it tells people that there is no safe amount of alcohol that you can drink. Because again, it is an organization that thrives to abolish alcohol altogether. It's a bit like if the Catholic Church argued for a ban on pornography because it considers that porn causes problems. Now, sure, it does also cause problems. But the reason why the Catholic Church opposes it is because it has a moral worldview that is incompatible with pornography. It cares about the moral argument first and the consequential argument second. Movendi has what it calls core groups, departments of its work that focus on specific areas. One of its cores is the Junior Core Group, or International Junior Platform. The website is fairly confusing. It says here that it provides, quote, an individual value by informing and supporting the children's own decisions to live a life without alcohol, tobacco, and narcotics. The activities should allow children to relax, to play, and to be a child, end of quote. It gives out campaign t-shirts with the slogan, who said alcohol was fun, and features a quote on its website saying, It's the people who make the party awesome, not the drinks, bro.
2: How do you do, fellow kids?
0: We weren't expecting a Templar organization from the 19th century to be in tune with the youth, were we? What we would expect, though, is for a UN body not to fall for it. It should be clear to the agency that Movendi is nothing but an old prohibitionist organization that wants to make alcohol illegal, and it will use any convenient argument to do so. The Listen First campaign hosts webinars with Movendi, such as, quote, supporting children to grow up healthy and safe, or the science of routine, about providing children with a routine so they do not think about alcohol use. And of course, the usual prescriptions by Movendi make alcohol more expensive and restrict any marketing that could also be seen by children. They are, as usual, very liberal in their interpretation of what constitutes marketing alcohol to children. Young people watch football and there's also alcohol ads.
1: The healthy World Cup Qatar partnership between WHO and FIFA totally missed to address alcohol. Instead, WHO helped to provide a health halo to an event that exposed children, youth and vulnerable adults to beer advertising every 40 seconds during the matches.
0: Movendi also wrote about the Qatar World Cup on its website and says, quote, FIFA lobbied Qatar to exempt the World Cup from its alcohol laws and ignores Qatar's local customs where alcohol use is not the norm so that big alcohol can maximize profits. End of quote. According to Qatar's alcohol laws, drinking in public is punishable with prison time for up to six months, a draconian rule incompatible with liberal democracy, but seemingly compatible with Movendi, which praises the local norms in Qatar. Unholy alliance? Holy alliance? I'll let you, the listeners, Be the judge. Act 2 Magic Formula. When we're born, we're our own prototype, restricted to basic functions of ourselves. Babies are, in the words of Don Harold, such a nice way to start people. We are tired, we sleep. We're moody, we cry. And when we're hungry, we eat. And what we eat as babies is conditional on what we're fed. Full disclosure, I don't have children. And I'm also never around children. So when I wanted to know what babies eat, I took to Google. What should babies eat? And I'm adding the American CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, to get good information. Quote, feed your baby breast milk or infant formula from a bottle learn how to clean bottle feeding supplies and more, introduce your child to foods and drinks other than breast milk and infant formula when he or she is about six months old, end of quote. All right, that sounds helpful. What if I add WHO instead of CDC at the end of my question? Quote, WHO recommends that infants start receiving complementary foods at six months of age in addition to breast milk, end of quote. It then continues to list how often these complementary foods should be given, Curiously, the WHO does not mention infant formula in its guidelines. I searched the WHO website. There's a very recent section called Infant and Young Child Feeding, but it makes no mention of infant formula. What I can find is that the WHO, together with UNICEF, argues against marketing practices of companies making infant formula. They claim that the companies are aggressively targeting mothers who just gave birth to use infant formula. The WHO publishes YouTube videos with mothers, quote-unquote, exposing the methods of infant formula-making companies.
1: After I gave birth, they seemed to be fighting for the first sip of formula milk. Obviously, we were looking online and that little advert for the same brand of milk just popped up. And with these... Cookies. I mean, they must know that we're looking at baby stuff. I saw an advertisement on Facebook. The ad was eye-catching. Register immediately to receive 110,000 Vietnamese Dong discount code.
0: These mothers also believe that their pediatricians are compelling them into using infant formula.
1: I have been given a free sample at the hospital. I think that's a form of advertising. I feel like part of the advertising is done by pediatricians because my pediatrician told me give him this milk and he gave me a free sample.
0: So this sounded all a bit odd to me because none of the things described in the video sounded very aggressive in their marketing. A company using Facebook ads and cookies of your search history is common practice. Also throwing pediatricians under the bus for giving a mother infant formula at the hospital seemed a bit off to me, coming from the World Health Organization. Here's the WHO's director Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus. He's known as Dr. Tedros because the last name is a bit of a mouthful about the issue. In high and low income countries alike, the use of formula instead of breastfeeding increases risks of mortality, diarrheal and respiratory diseases, childhood obesity, diabetes, and maternal breast cancer. While there are reasons parents choose to use formula,
2: there is no excuse for marketing practices that push formula when it's not needed. What children consume during their first years of life can profoundly
1: affect their development and future health. That's why parents and caregivers need access to evidence-based scientific information and support free
0: of commercial interests. This new report from WHO and UNICEF exposes
1: the marketing tactics used by the commercial milk formula industry, which has led to the overconsumption of the formula milk and undermined
0: breastfeeding. The WHO publishes videos on breastfeeding being the only healthy option for women.
2: My first gift to my baby, my milk.
1: I started breastfeeding within the first hour of birth.
0: Why do I breastfeed? It's good for my baby and for me.
1: Breastfeeding mothers are at a lower risk of ovarian and breast cancer. I exclusively breastfed for the first six months.
2: Like every mother, I wanted my baby to be protected all her life. Mother's milk is a natural shield against diseases. Even in times of
0: emergencies, when food and water become scarce, mother's milk is a lifesaver.
1: It is the most powerful way of expressing our love for our babies. Let's breastfeed our babies
2: and encourage others to do so.
0: This is not a topic I know an awful lot about. But from what I do know is that an estimated 10 to 15% of women are genetically unable to breastfeed. There's a variety of reasons, none of which we have time for in this podcast, but there's a myriad of articles that lay out to which extent women who do not breastfeed are not adequately informed by the fact that a large part of the female population simply isn't able to do so. For others, it's convenience. You might be a working mother, unable to do it for your child in person, or attempt to get enough sleep throughout the night, which is why infant formula is a better alternative. Why is the WHO so interested in this particular issue? And are there genuine risks to infant formula?
2: Yeah, good morning. Uh, my name is Stuart Forsyth. Um, I'm a retired now consultant pediatrician, professor of pediatrics.
0: Stuart Forsyth is a Scottish expert in this topic, and unfortunately, not someone with a great microphone on his computer. He has a long history in the research of infant feeding. Over the years, he's undertaken different studies, including the benefits of breastfeeding. He's published a book called The Wasted Years, a critique of infant and child nutrition, policy, practice, politics, which is available on Amazon. He believes that all sites, health professionals, advocates for breastfeeding and industry, have pulled the conversation on infant nutrition in so many directions that it has become difficult to assess what the truth is. Forsyth says that an independent review is needed. On the WHO's videos, he had this to say.
2: Yes, I mean, I think... uh... I mean, I spent quite a bit of time discussing the role of World Health Organization. I mean, the, overall, the World Health Organization is really an organization which is there to advise, advise governments, national governments. Um, and interestingly, it come, kind it of comes to from feeding, they really have taken a dive into more than just overall advice. they setting policy, basically. They're specifically saying, telling mothers how many months they should be exclusively breastfeeding, how long they should continue to breastfeeding, and when they should be introducing solid foods, very much specific uh, detail, operational detail, which uh, I think, you know, I've challenged that, I feel that's up to local governments uh, and and local citizens and local advisors to determine the specifics of that. So yes, so uh, WHO have become uh, very much involved in, in being active and basically joining activism, I believe. They're very much aligning themselves with many of the breastfeeding activist groups. In fact, they're forming uh, even some various organisations in which WHO and UNICEF are coordinating activist groups, one being uh, a global breastfeeding collective, which was set up uh, two to three years ago. And this is very much WHO and, and UNICEF working closely with the activist groups. Now, I don't
0: know about you, but I did not know that there was such a thing as breastfeeding activist groups. The Global Breastfeeding Collective includes the World Health Organization, UNICEF, Catholic Relief Services, the United States Agency for International Development, and also a particularly active group called the International Baby Food Action Network, or IPFAN. This organization has existed for many decades and has numerous local chapters in developing nations. It also testifies at WHO hearings. International Baby Food Action Network. Thank Interna- you. Yes, the 14th G- GPW has a critical role to play and should highlight and include the following. Protection of breastfeeding throughout all WHO local offices, especially from new strategies such as digital marketing that is out of control. WHO's key role in ensuring policy coherence in WTO and Codex trade rules. This will help Member States regulate marketing in line with WHO recommendations without fear of challenge. WHO's own internal policy must be free from undue commercial influence and FENSA must be strengthened to safeguard WHO's independence, integrity and trustworthiness. It's not that Ipfan joins the World Health Organization in its activism against infant formula companies, but rather that the WHO has joined the activists in their call to warn of those companies. The focus on the producing companies leaves one thing out. Even if it is true that companies are marketing their products quote unquote aggressively, does that tell us anything about whether those products are healthy or not? In the clip we heard earlier, Dr. Tedros indicates that infant formula is unhealthy, but the WHO never makes that claim directly. In your medical opinion, is there anything wrong with the use of infant formula? Well, mothers who, for instance, say, I will only use substitutes. Is there something dangerous about that?
2: I mean, I think that, just to step back a little bit, I mean, I think that um, the, the big dilemma in policymaking for infant feeding is that, for, for infants, breast milk is optimal. But for infants who do not receive breast milk, infant formula can be life-saving. You know, it's there, you know, if you went back, you know, a century or so uh, when babies who did not receive breast milk from their mothers or breast milk from their wet nurse, they were fed all sorts of things which are harmful. Uh, and you know, the great advance in terms of infant formula is that you do have a safety net for breastfeeding, which is very much regulated. Uh, uh, and, and scientifically, you know, it's, it's a good product. You know, providing uh, a, nut- a nutritional product for a newborn babies is a very high risk area, uh, and it does need to be of the highest standards. And if mothers choose to form the feed, then they should be uh, assured that you know it is a good product. It meets the nutritional requirements of a baby at that time, but it doesn't have the additional health path- health factors that are present in breast milk. The bottom line
0: is this, breastfeeding is better for infants, but infant formula is the next best thing, and also safe. Clearly, companies that market infant formula have an interest in selling their product. But the assumption that those mothers who choose it out of convenience are merely pawns in a commercial scam is seeing the issue in a very unnuanced fashion.
2: This is an issue that needs to be addressed. Uh, I don't think it actually should remain with WHO uh, addressing that particular issue, because they... they... To a certain extent, they have a conflict of interest, uh, uh, and so that it, again, this is would be a requirement, as far as I'm concerned, of an independent uh, body looking at this, and and getting the balance right between clearly promoting breastfeeding, but also recognising that we do need to have a safe alternative to breast milk for infants who, for whatever reason, will not receive breast milk.
0: Increasingly activist groups have undermined the WHO on this, and incidentally, on other issues also. The risks of stigmatizing infant formula are many. In the past, mothers diluting infant formula to save money have created genuine health risks. Some, unable to breastfeed and made to believe that formula would hurt their baby, have taken to making their own formula, which can create even more serious health risks.
2: Jennifer Aniston,
0: Victoria Beckham, and Kate Hudson are all fans of the alkaline diet which claims to keep you healthy by making the body less acidic. You load up on raw fruits, veggies, nuts and legumes, which seems pretty nutritious. But now the CDC is sounding the alarm, citing cases of
2: babies being hospitalized with malnutrition and even brain damage after being fed homemade alkaline infant formulas. So while parents try to do what's best for the baby, are they putting their little ones at risk
1: instead?
0: Unintended consequences of public health policy that does not look at the local context and mashes all conversation of health policy into a big business conspiracy is antithetical to informed debate and costs lives. What is the WHO doing to protect itself from that risk? Act three, conclusion. International institutions hold power, power over the narrative, soft power in developing nations, the power to create policy, amend it and repeal it. When we imagine the United Nations and its many associated bodies, we picture an impressive body of research work, experts and scientists who envision the best possible health advice they can give to its member countries. I will have to be blunt. That is not the United Nations I have come to see in my research. What I see is an organization that operates much like an NGO. It cooperates with other NGOs. It requests grants from governments. It issues campaigns on the behest of its donors. And it takes a one-sided view on the things it communicates on. It is, in fact, not the type of organization we would imagine it to be. What does it take for it to be better? to be more evidence-based, more independent. It takes oversight. It requires those countries who donate to it to ask harder, better questions. It completes functions the world needs, but those important functions can no longer be the reason for it to be unquestionable. The truth, it has a tendency of coming out eventually. Will there be a World Health Organization or an international agency for research on cancer in the future? I think so. But they will inevitably be different. Fun Police is a Consumer Choice Center original podcast. Today's episode was written and researched by me, Bill Words. contributing research by Elizabeth Hicks and Emil Panjao. editing by Yalosowski and myself. You can find Stuart Fassad's book, The Wasted Years, on Amazon. Thank you for those who support our work with a donation, consumerchoicecenter.org donate. And do check out our other podcasts, Consumer Choice Podcast and Consumers, spelled with EU, hosted weekly by yours truly, wherever you are listening right now. This was the last episode of this season of Fun Police. Stay tuned, there may be more content in the future. Until then, stick clear of the Fun Police.